Hello, Nevadans. This is the NV Politics Podcast, where we discuss local political hot topics in the state of Nevada to keep you informed on what's going on. We are your hosts. I'm Dominique Labonte. And I'm Tim Hannafin. And we are recording this episode of NV Politics on February 9th, 2023. So let's get into it. So today we are going to have a discussion on just a couple of topics. The first is going to be just a review of the debt ceiling. I know we've probably heard a lot about that. So we're going to break it down really high level, uh, just so that people have a clear understanding of how this could potentially impact us. Yes, it is at the federal level, but it could have a local impact as well. So we're going to break that down. And then we're also going to spend a bit of time discussing some of the areas of focus that are coming out of the new legislative session. And then from there, we um, will get into our What Broke My Brain segment to wrap it all up. So debt ceiling. Tim, would you like me to kick this off? Yes. Okay. How, cool. how, how does this necessarily work? How did we get to this point? How do we find ourselves talking about this this thing, yeah, this, this ceiling of debt? This ceiling that needs to be broken soon. Yeah, so real quick, uh, you know, compliments of whitehouse.gov. I'm just really going to briefly describe what the debt ceiling is, uh, what the debt limit is, and what happens if it's reached, and then we'll we'll get down to how that's relevant to all of us. So the debt limit is the total amount of money that the United States government is authorized to borrow to meet its existing legal obligations, including Social Security and Medicare benefits, military salaries, interest on the national debt, tax refunds, and other payments. And so this limit, it's imposed by Congress in the amount of debt that the U.S. federal government can have outstanding. So currently, that limit, if you're curious about the number, it's $28.4 trillion. Uh, that was established August 1st, 2021. And it's something that's important to note is that the debt limit, it's not a forward-looking budgeting tool uh, that reveals what policymakers think our ideal levels of spending. It's actually, it reflects the spending and revenue decisions debated and enacted in prior years by Congress. And so here we are, we're living it out now. Um, 97% of the current national debt stems from policy choices made before the Biden administration took office in January, 2021. So that's a bit of what it is. And let's talk about what happens when we hit it. Tim, do you want to break that down for us? Well, so if, say, we we get to the point where the government can no longer draw money, it can no longer get to the point where it has any money to spend, one of two things can happen. Congress can either say, all right, well, we're defaulting, we're done, 
there's our credit limit, and we're not we're not going to make that one. We're not going to make these payments. Sorry, uh, we'll get you next check. And that would be detrimental. It's never happened yet, but you would see creditors across the board start pulling interests from our stock market. There would be changes to our bond market overall because people would be claiming in on those. A lot would happen, and we'd be downgraded from our AAA rating. I'm not an economist, so I can't explain what that means on a global <laughs> scale too well, other than it wouldn't be very good. It's bad. Bad, yeah, bad. It's bad. Yeah. The other option would be Congress can elect to raise the debt limit and allow the Treasury to pull more money. What has happened in the past, because it hasn't happened too often in the past, but this has been granted almost a automatic up increase whenever a new policy is put forward, except in some rare instances where we approach it and instead of imposing just a new limit or saying, hey, well, we'll just raise it this time. We don't actually want to deal with it. It becomes a bargaining tool and it said, well, no, mm -hmm. no, no. Maybe we don't want to make this payment. Maybe we don't want to actually have this happen. If this were to occur, you know, a couple things it, I don't quite understand what makes one happen over the other, but in both instances prior, we've never defaulted on the credit. We just shut down the government. Mm -hmm. So instead of missing the last payment, we just said, uh, we, we just close the doors before we have to make the payment. So, you know, it's due on Friday and we close on Thursday. It's fine. You know, Friday never comes, mm -hmm. but that's detrimental to you and I as the everyday person, because that means that, you know, simple things like Medicare, which there are 500 and change thousand Nevadans that are using, mm -hmm. would no longer be able to draw anything. Social security checks would stop for a temporary amount of time. Any employee that's on a government salary, government contract, government work would not be going to work. There might be some departments of the government that still function or some areas of the government that are still up and running. But all in all, if, say, people were in Congress negotiating the debt ceiling, none of them are getting paid. That's the employees. That's the workers. That's, you know, you're the representatives doing it because everything's shut down. There's no one to – there's no money to pay. That And that's – it wouldn't be good overall. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we're, and that, that's just the immediate effects. That's not even what would happen to the economy in event of a shutdown or a default. We're talking interest rates would probably increase for both housing and mortgage. So we might see rents go up or at least mortgage interest rates go up, mm -hmm. but then also credit card interest rates might be going up as well. And that would be affecting the payments that everyday people are making just simply because credit bureaus are having to make more money or they're not able to be as sure in the U.S. market. Without being an economist, I can't, I can't fully explain why some of this would happen, but it would be affecting Nevadans the instant that we either agreed to something or didn't agree to something. Mm -hmm. Either you know, things would keep operating or we would see things come to a halt. We would see there be a large pause. We would see there be a lot of questions. People would be out of work. It wouldn't be an unheard of scenario, I hate to say, based on the last five years in right. our country, but yep. it would still be you know, something that we're having to grapple with because it's not like we're sending these people home to work from home. We're sending them home without a job or at least without a promise of another paycheck. Mm -hmm. 
the last shutdown, I mean, there were government employees that had to find temporary jobs just to keep, you know, paying their rent. Yeah. I actually recently stumbled upon an article that was referencing the last shutdown and how some government workers were promised some back pay from when it was closed and they still have never received that money. I um, I personally know one of those federal workers and when he asked his congressman about getting that money back, his congressman said, sorry, I don't care about federal workers. Or at least that's how he tells the story. I don't think those exact words were said, <laughs> but you know, he, uh, he adamantly and vehemently hates current congressmen because of that. I mean, if they told me they didn't care about me getting paid, I'd probably feel similarly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, to your point, you know, what you had already mentioned, Tim, is while yes, uh, this could potentially lead to a shutdown. Um, and also we've probably heard those phrases, extraordinary measures where they're trying to, you know, potentially cut funding to what they wouldn't consider priority items, um, which could end up, you know, be funding that goes to states, things like that. Um, the complete default on um, our debt limit has, it's never happen. We've never defaulted. And so that's something that hopefully gives us all some relief and just know that this is likely to just turn into a partisan standoff. So we'll see where it goes. And now we are informed of what we might be looking ahead. Ideally, it it doesn't go anywhere because to the point of what you just said, some of what some of those programs aren't necessary. They're at risk of, you know, not being funded if the government shuts down. But Mm -hmm. those, from my understanding, are also what's being bargained with. Correct. So they're saying, you know, we we want to cut these programs in order to allow you to raise the debt ceiling. So the it's very hard to say what will happen Mm -hmm. other than we know that a default never has. So spiking interest rates, large changes to bonds, thankfully probably won't happen. Yeah. And the ever so popular debate on cutting social security spending, (laughs) which hopefully that's dead at this point. Right. All right. So shall we, jump into the legislative session and the areas of focus that we have been hearing about. Yes, I I think that's a little bit more of a positive upbeat based just, you know, going from the uh, debt ceiling (laughs) because there's a lot going on in our state legislature. And I think at least, you know, I, I can't even really say because I haven't Truth be told, I haven't watched it as closely as I should have in years prior, but at least from the action that I'm seeing out of this year, it's not representative of our of our federal government where, to your point, a lot of the current debt came before the Biden administration because our government's about five years behind on policy. Mm-hmm. Our, our state legislature is debating stuff that's happening right now. So they don't seem to be five years behind. They seem to be right on the pulse. Which is good, because that's what we need right now. 
So I'll jump in with one of the the first topics that I have come across that I have absolutely observed many, many Nevadans uh, struggling with, complaining about, and that is affordable housing. And so this current legislature is looking to address potential mounting evictions due to pandemic era emergency rent assistance programs expiring, or I should say they did expire in January. So this is actually from an article within the Las Vegas Weekly. And they really want to make sure that for those Nevadans who are still struggling and are worried about what does this mean for housing? If if I lose the home that I'm in now because I can't pay my rent, uh, it's so expensive to, to go anywhere else. And so they're trying to figure out a way to uh, help with this transition out of this pandemic era emergency assistance. So that's something that's on the table. Um, another... Another um, topic around housing is there is the Assembly Committee on Revenue has introduced AB 62, which is an attempt to expand tax exemptions for low-income housing projects. So I don't have a lot of background on any current low-income housing projects. I don't know where they're focusing this at as far as which part of the state this would be in, but at least trying to find ways to make it easier for Nevadans to afford. Just to go off that one, first of all, uh, one of the largest problems when you talk with anyone who works with developers in our state is developers build the code and they don't build past code. So if code mandates that 35% of your housing has to be low income for a tax exemption, you can expect that 35% to the statistical dot will be low income, and then the rest will be as much as they can rack it up, Mm. simply because they're trying to make and save as much money as possible. A, A bill like this might simply be going in just for the entire state to say, hey, let's get that number up. Let's get the code minimum up so that there is more low-income housing because we see so much luxury luxury housing and luxury condos, luxury apartments go up in areas like Reno and mm-hmm. Las Vegas. We need to have housing that people can afford, not you know luxury condos replacing the low-income housing that was just destroyed. Yeah, uh, another point. Yeah, another important one that you want to look at, I don't have the specific assembly bill yet, but Edgar, Senator Edgar Flores is going to be proposing one around Dillon's rule and local government, specifically for rent control, where it's, you know, Dillon's rule, long story short, doesn't allow local governments to make as many changes to municipalities or to some programs as they would like. That's a very simplified version. It's not the best version of that (laughs) rule, but it's simple. He's proposing to at least allow local municipalities to have more control over rent caps and be able to actually make changes and move forward with rental controls so that they can make some changes, not just the state legislature. Another important one to look at. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What do you have for us, Tim? Well, another one, and I think this is very important just based on what I was going, is it's been claimed to be the year of water for our state legislature. We have 23 different 
bill requests from various representatives, congressmen, senators from up and down the state, all with various, you know, regards to ranchers controlling water or water rights in some of our various rural counties to making sure that water gets into the Colorado River and Lake Mead. You know, even just today earlier, I haven't been able to read the article, but we know the federal government's also talking about plans for the Colorado River and making sure that Lake Mead and Hoover Dam have water from the Glen Canyon Dam. Mm. So this is an issue that's being talked about at our state level and a federal level. We've got 23 different bills moving through just trying to get that taken care of. We've got topics up and down the board that are mm-hmm. our state's still trying to address as well. We've got you know, things on healthcare. I know that that was one that you wanted to discuss. We were, we've got at least one I know of that's trying to address mental health care workers or build a task force for them in our, in our school communities or our -hmm. upper school communities. So hopefully Mm -hmm. that can get some workforce people in. What were you seeing in health? So specifically, um, as a woman, (laughs) um, the, just legislation around protecting abortion providers in Nevada was something that I saw coming along. This legislation specifically is also trying to protect out-of-state patients. And so this bill would essentially codify an executive order that Governor Sisolak had issued days after the Supreme Court had overturned Roe v. Wade. Lombardo has kind of flip-flopped on this one. Um, Initially, he had committed uh, that he was going to repeal it, and then he said he was not going to repeal it. And then the Nevada Attorney General's office actually reaffirmed that it would not help states prosecute those coming to Nevada to seek reproductive health care. So there's, obviously, this is a a sensitive topic, uh, one that, you know, I, I... try to stay close to and just see how this is moving. But I'm looking forward to seeing the steps that our legislatures take here. This one's somewhat related to health, but I think it's at least a good transition from health. We've also got some more movement around our cannabis and our cannabis Mm. industry within the state. To sum up what some of those bills are trying to address, they're trying to loosen up some of the licensing and licensing regulations to allow for more mobile licensing and the movements of license pretty much in my sense to try and make more money for our state to then spend on education and needed programs. So hopefully there's some net good. They're coming from both the cannabis compliance boards, some cannabis advisory boards, as well as some state senators themselves. So we'll see what those movements are. And if they get some more money intake into the overall state, there is of course a lot of movement on education. We covered that last week though. So Mm -hmm. other than just a brief, we've got a lot of bills to follow. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of what we can touch on there. And then, you know, I think it's uh, we'd be remiss to not mention the crime bills that are at least going to be brought up or some of the things that we'll be looking at when we're talking about crime and our sheriff governor that we have. Yep. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more yeah. discussion around that in the future. Uh, the only other topic that I really want to mention briefly it are some bills around elections. So SB 60 is looking to extend mail ballot counting from seven to nine days. If I'm really honest, I, I cannot see that happening. I was surprised to actually read that. I 
just as the the political I don't even want to say like activist that I am, but like <laughs> the with the being on the inside of politics as I, I have been and seeing just some of the inner party stuff. Nevada is not a good state when it comes to voting, just simply because we're an example of what not to do. Yeah. It seems like two elections in a row, mm-hmm. half because of our loose counting policies. The seven days is probably enough. I agree. Um, I, I hate to say that, but no, I agree. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for voting access, but uh, yeah, no, we uh, more. It takes a week for our state to to count all of our ballots, and everybody's waiting on us, and we've kind of become the joke at this point. So yeah. I'm surprised to see this bill looking to extend that further. Uh, and then there was yep. one other one, SB 75. Clark and Washoe registrar of voters and elected office instead of an appointed position. So uh, that's something that is interesting to see that they're they're looking to just open it up uh, to have the registrar of voters as an elected office. We'll have to, honestly, my only thoughts on that is we'll have to see the movement on Dylan's rule mm-hmm. and how that gets changed in this legislation legislature, because if, if Dylan's rules get some movement, they, we might see, you know, local districts actually get other registrar voters and have those positions be in the other counties. But, but with how local governments are structured, Clark and Washoe get those positions simply because of population. Having that as an elected position tied to populate it. Be interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah I don't be have interesting all the details to say the least. on the bill. I don't, yeah, I, I can't even say an opinion. Yeah, I can't say yeah, yay or nay because that's too, a lot of moving things there. <laughs> yep. All right. So we're going to jump into what broke my brain this week. I'll do mine real quick, and then, Tim, you can wrap us up, okay? So mine was uh, seeing that Nevada, now there's been news about this, okay? The Democratic primaries have been pushing for some change, and Nevada has been selected to be the second stop on the Democratic primary route. And New Hampshire is refusing to concede to being put on the route later on. And so they're they're a bit upset about this. They are saying that nope, they're still going to have it. They've already built this thing out and they're going to do it no matter what. So it'll be real interesting to see how that all works out. So stay tuned on that. Tim, what broke your brain this week? So I I wish mine was a little bit more lighthearted, but I'll I'll start with the bad news first. Um, mine was about her name is Bobby Wilson, and she was a nine year old girl. And uh, the story started with her collecting butterflies and having the police called on her because she was a nine year old girl. I remember um, simply because I hate to say it, but she's African American, mm-hmm. and it highlighted some of the just horrible racism that still exists within our country. Mm-hmm. However that butterfly collection and her both got honored and admitted into Yale's museum simply because of what's going on and what she was trying to do, which was document and collect a very rare butterfly. Yeah. And, you know, she overcame a horrible situation to 
at least have something good happen. And that it broke my brain just because people still suck in this world. They suck, but then sometimes, sometimes there's redemption. Oh yeah, always <laughs> redemption. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much, Tim and Nevadans. We will be back next week. Of course. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Well, you'll hear us next time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hear you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>